1: From KQED.
3: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm April Dombaski in San Francisco. The state has pre ordered 1.4 million doses of Pfizer's pediatric COVID vaccine, so medical providers can start putting shots in little arms as soon as federal health officials sign off. There are 3.5 million children ages 5 to 11 in California, 9% of the state's population. State epidemiologist Dr. Erica Pond says children deserve to be protected from COVID. They've weathered remote learning, adapted to wearing masks, and put birthday parties and playdates on hold. These young heroes want to fully participate in life again. With holiday gatherings and festivities approaching, vaccine authorization could not come at a better time. Public health officials say vaccine appointments will be available as soon as the end of next week. But reaching all eligible children will require outreach in vulnerable communities and at schools. As wildfires continue to burn longer and impact millions of acres of California land each year, Congress is considering legislation aimed at helping to suppress the fires before they start. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi explains.
4: Two bills introduced in the House deal with the pay and job classification of federal wildland firefighters. One from Bay Area Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren would raise the max out limit on overtime pay for these firefighters. She spoke about the importance of the bill during a congressional hearing yesterday. In California, most of the fires burning are on federal land, and the overtime pay cap for federal wildlife uh, land firefighters is a significant hurdle in attracting and retraining
5: our most experienced firefighters.
4: The other bill would increase pay for federal wildland firefighters and also provide critical services like health care, including mental health, along with a housing stipend. Kelly Martin, president of the advocacy group Grassroots Wildland Firefighters, testified during the hearing.
1: We are often the lowest paid people on the fire line in terms of uh, working next to some of our state partners and some of the municipal firefighters as well. So, what we're asking for is at least a review of the pay parity in terms of raising those wages and benefits.
4: Wildland firefighters have said pay is one of the main reasons why so many of them are leaving for other jobs. In fact, Firefighters working for a Cal Fire can often make more than double the amount while land crew members make. For The California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi.
3: House Democrats are meeting this morning to work on passing President Biden's package of social service and climate change proposals. The president wants to have a plan in hand before he attends the big climate conference in Scotland next week. But the package is still facing an uphill battle in the Senate from within the president's own party. White House officials went to Capitol Hill yesterday to meet with Senators Kirsten Sinema of Arizona and Joe Manchin from West Virginia. The pair have found themselves with a lot of power, essentially deciding whether President Biden will be able to deliver on his campaign promises. The California Report's Saul Gonzalez spoke with California's Senator Alex Padilla about the package, which has already been whittled down from $5 trillion to less than $2 trillion.
2: Uh Look, I, I think at the end of the day, what Uh, more important than what the quote-unquote top-line number is, is what's in the bill. And it's going to be a pretty uh, ambitious complement to the bipartisan infrastructure package that has already been approved by the Senate. So uh, the number has come down, but uh, I think the the foundations that uh, we're going to lay are solid and we'll continue to build on in the years to come. What's a must-have for you in this legislation? Oh my gosh! So th- there's so much in uh, uh, the process of the number coming down from the three and a half trillion to whatever the final number might be. I know there's been uh, conversations and debate as to whether or not we bring that number down through wholesale exclusion of some important uh, areas of investment. You know, do we lop off healthcare? Do we lop off education? Do we lop off housing? Do we lop? Uh, I disagree. I think by being targeted, focused, and maybe uh, only funding three four years of an important initiative as opposed to the whole 10 has been the uh, better way to reduce the dollar figure
0: so essentially senator you're saying hey it's not everything i want it's probably not going to be everything i want but this is still well worth passing
2: is that right There's going to be a lot of very, very good in this uh, uh, final package and taken together with the bipartisan package that's already been approved. Uh, It continues to be uh, historic investments. Do you appreciate the frustration
0: of progressives who say, this isn't even the Republicans doing this. This is your party, Senator, doing it to itself, particularly because of the actions of, of Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema of Arizona. Is, is that frustrating to you that you're dealing kind of with a, a, a revolt from within your party and not Republican opposition?
2: I absolutely share the frustration. But let's also be clear. The reason we're having to uh, navigate 50 Democratic votes is because Republicans refuse to participate, Republicans refuse to collaborate. Republicans are refusing to invest in so many areas of uh, our nation's infrastructure and our economy uh, that uh, this is the the only device that we have left. But budget reconciliation is a vehicle to make all this happen. Are you frustrated with
0: Mansion and Cinema? Just simple question. Are you with with their actions and their positions?
2: Uh, look, I've been in uh, public service for uh, 20 years. There's times I've been frustrated at the city council in Los Angeles, the state Senate in Sacramento. Uh, and uh, that continues to uh, uh, be the case here because the process is the process, but I'm optimistic. Uh, we're going to get something big and bold done here in the near future.
0: All right, Senator Alex Padilla, a U.S. Senator for the great state of California. Thank you so much for joining us on the California report.
2: Thank you. Continue to stay safe.
1: while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.
3: The Beverly Hills Police Department has been accused of racially profiling Black shoppers on Rodeo Drive. New records from a class-action lawsuit showed that out of 90 people who were arrested along the shopping corridor, 80 were Black. Alleged victims and attorneys say it's racial profiling 101. As KCRW's Tara Atrian reports, they're now urging the state to step in.
5: The Beverly Hills Police Department created a special unit dubbed the Rodeo Drive Team last year. The goal was to address what some residents and store owners said was a quote, criminal element along the luxury shopping hub. But attorney Bradley Gage says the unit has been discriminatory. Beverly
0: Hills is only 2% black.
5: Our state is only
0: 13% black. Why were 90% of the arrests African
5: American? You can't justify that. Joseph Nett is one of the people who alleges they were racially profiled. He says he was a passenger in a car driving through when he was handcuffed and locked up for three days without being charged.
0: It happened because we were black. Like If we were white, we probably never would have been stopped.
5: The attorneys for the lawsuit are calling on Governor Newsom and Attorney General Bonta to open up an investigation into the department, saying if Beverly Hills doesn't act, they'll need to. Meanwhile, the BHPD says they remain committed to keeping their community safe and that Net was in violation of a restraining order when the car he was in was pulled over for a traffic violation. For The California Report, I'm Tara Atrion in Los Angeles.
3: The coronavirus pandemic led to record drug use across the country. Fatal overdoses rose almost 30 percent last year, driven mainly by fentanyl and other opioids. But the stimulant methamphetamine is also a huge part of the problem. It doesn't get as much attention, though, in part because it doesn't cause the impressive death counts that make for good headlines. You don't typically overdose on meth. You decay. That's how journalist and former L.A. Times reporter Sam Quinones describes it in his latest book, The Least of Us, True Tales of America and Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth. An excerpt of the book appeared in this month's issue of The Atlantic. It charts the massive boom in the meth market and the insidious impact the drug has on people who use it. I spoke with Sam Quinones earlier about his reporting. Sam, in your story, you talk a lot about the market forces that have led to a boom in the availability of meth in the U.S. And one thing that fueled this that was fascinating to me was the legalization of marijuana. And it made me think of California, one of the first states to legalize pot also one of the states with the largest influxes of meth. So what's the relationship there?
6: Well, the relationship is that marijuana has always been the gateway drug for Mexican traffickers. It's a staple that they've used to learn the business, to develop capital, develop contacts, and so on. And so when when states in the United States first California began legalizing it that meant that their market was taken away and and a lot of those folks gradually began to migrate to another part of the drug world which is methamphetamine and methamphetamine just about that time was emerging as the the drug that you could make the chemicals were there and it just naturally was a place where people migrated once marijuana was not the the solution to their economic problems that it had been for so many years.
3: And you're not subject to the weather or the vagaries of agriculture.
6: Synthetic drugs, they, they learned very early on, have the enormous benefit of never, you don't need land, you don't need irrigation, you don't need farmers, and you don't need to depend on the weather or the seasons. You just you, if, if you have the chemicals, you can make this stuff all year round, and that is exactly what we're seeing down in Mexico.
3: You write about this major shift in production of meth where the cooks started using different chemicals to make it. Why did they, why did they do this and how has that affected the market?
6: They switched because the old precursor with which they made meth, uh, a chemical known as ephedrine found in Sudafed pills, antihistamines and so on, was made illegal, uh, except for a few pharma, pharma companies to possess, by the Mexican government in 2008. And so by 2009, 10, 11, you begin to see all these producers switching to this new method known as the P2P method for the main precursor, which is a chemical known as phenol to propanone. You can make P2P many, many different ways. There's all kinds of like chemical hacks you can use to get to P2P. That was the story I thought I was telling when I started telling a story of just the massive quantities these folks are now able to make methamphetamine. But along the way, I began to realize there was another story that was perhaps even bigger than that. And that is that the new way of making meth, the P2P meth, has been creating terrifying symptoms of schizophrenia and those who use it paranoia, uh, horrifying hallucinations, and along the way, of course, it has led to uh, widespread homelessness among those who who use it. And that was a stunning idea because I had not seen that reported anywhere. But the more I talked to people, uh, the more I I, uh, sought out folks recovering addicts drug counselors, cops, et cetera, et cetera, all these different folks, the more I saw that this story was repeating itself in, all over the place. It was in L.A., it was in Portland, San Diego. It was a scary thing because the quantities were, were unrelenting, which meant that all across this country, massive waves of mental illness and homelessness were being created by this drug that, that because of this new way of, of making it.
3: In San Francisco a couple years ago, 50 percent of people who were in the inpatient psychiatric unit of our emergency department were in for meth intoxication.
6: Yes. And I, I just got an email from a, a clinician in San Francisco uh, an hour ago, literally saying exactly that. And what's more, it, it's it seems a common uh, a thing all across the country that, that clinicians and ERs and so on, people don't know what they're presented with. Uh, frequently, it's the symptoms of mental illness, but you don't know if it's simply created by methamphetamine or it's true mental illness that this person is is suffering from. And what's more, meth users seem to be now taking up a lot of the resources that ought to be devoted to people who are truly are mentally ill. I've seen this in other parts of the country as well, where they're just they they're just filling the clinics or filling the, the hospitals in spaces that really ought to be reserved for people who are truly are mentally ill.
3: You write about a lot of these trends that we've been discussing through the eyes of a Southern California man uh, named Eric Barrera. Tell us a little bit about How did he get into meth, and how did he experience some of these changes?
6: There's a a, a club called Skid Row Running Club in Skid Row in L.A., uh, where a judge organized it. I talked to the judge, and he was telling me about the horrible meth problems that they see on Skid Row. I went down to the run one morning very early, and he said, You need to talk with a few of my guys. Why don't you talk to Eric? And so we met. Eric and I met, and he told me his story, which was that he got out of the Marines in 2000, came back to L.A., was kind of suffering from some depression, began to treat it with methamphetamine. But this was the ephedrine meth days. And then he told me, then one night the meth changed. He told me, never forget when he told me this. We were sitting outside in a restaurant late at night in Pasadena. He said, then then one night the meth changed and there was no more euphoria. There was no more being on top of my game, Wanted to talk to everybody. It was serious, serious paranoia that my girlfriend was hiding a man in the apartment. First, it was in mattresses and I took a butcher knife and started stabbing the the, the mattress. And eventually, he'd been using meth for uh, eight years on ephedrine meth and never been homeless. Now, within a year or so, he's, he's homeless living in his car dealing the drug and uh, he lasted about four years before finally getting sober and and then became a homeless outreach coordinator uh, looking for vets for veterans in in the tent encampments but what he also told me was i don't know what happened and i don't know how to explain what happened to me but i can tell you after five years of working in homeless encampments i'm seeing people all over los angeles that are going through the same distress, torment, and and de- decomposition that I was going through. It's all around me, everywhere. Every encampment I go to, that's that's what I'm seeing.
3: You point out a striking contradiction here: that advocates for ho- people who are homeless seem to willingly ignore meth use among the population because of a fear of stigmatizing the homeless as drug users. Where did this come from?
6: The problem is, I think we talk about homelessness as, a, as one thing. It's not one thing. It's many different stories, many different things. I can say, though, with a great certainty that the, that the kind of homelessness that leads people to be in tent encampments uh, without any hygiene, you know, the kind that you see all over San Francisco that we see down, uh, we see down in L.A. all the time, that is drug-induced mostly, uh, I would say, absolutely meth uh, Induce. I'm stunned by how the the media coverage in Los Angeles almost never about homelessness almost never mentions methamphetamine. The po- politicians almost never mention. They're charged with spending millions and millions of dollars, and yet the most fundamental problem leading to homelessness they don't want to they don't want to mention. It's very upsetting, weird. Frankly, I don't get it. But once you get down into it, everybody you talk to will tell you that meth is, the, as the one judge said, the enormous you know, 800 pound gorilla in the room that nobody wants to even, even mention that leads to bizarre policy solutions. Like we need to put everybody in a house. If you put a meth addict who's on the P2P meth in a house, that house will not survive. We have to find another way of, of finding places where we can detox folks uh, for months off this stuff. And then you can talk about treatment. Then you can talk about housing. Then you can talk about jobs. Then you can talk about following the rules that that will allow you to keep a house or an apartment. As it is now, the folks in these encampments are not houseable.
3: And that's the California Report for Thursday, October 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm April Domboski. Thanks for listening.
5: Support for the California Report comes from Real California Milk, reminding listeners to take three simple steps to recycle gallon milk jugs. Pour it, cap it, bin it. Learn more at recyclethejug.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement, and Blue Shield of California, Rebuilding the future of health care with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com.
1: Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love
4: this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California.